This is a Honky Tonk Man, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, and you're listening to The Wrestler Review. Ladies and gentlemen, it's part two of fucking Brian fucking 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 fucking. I'm John Hastings. I'm Dill Dillman. John. Yes, Brian. Check this out. Isn't it great that his last name was Pilbin? That'd be like if uh, Chris Benoit was Chris Murder Suicide. You can use that. <laughs> be like if if, Vince, if McMahon meant sexual harassment in Gaelic. <laughs> Vince sex Vince trap a woman in a room and she's got nowhere to go. <laughs> That's how you start a podcast. <laughs> Thirty nine seconds in. It'd be like if Cornette meant I'm liberal, but that's because I'm into sex stuff that we're not gonna talk. <laughs> uh, on that topic, I was th- I was just walking down the street thinking, how come? I don't think I can ask journalists to be on this anymore. <laughs> I asked a couple of journalists who were like, yeah, sure. And then I was like, wait a minute. I don't think you should. Just because people will look back at the back catalog and be like, oh, I guess that guy endorses uh, just just slander. Oh, <laughs> at some points it's just slander. I was so I'm I live in Los Angeles as of this recording in my brand new apartment, Koreatown. Stop in by Miss. Um, and I was thinking about this. So a bunch of people are like, there's these firms pop sweep through your internet footprint and eliminate any problem yeah. that could affect your show business career. And all I'm thinking is yeah. like, I want to hire one just to be like, it's called the Wrestler Review. Just. I I got I got five pa- I got five bucks that says I'll be talking to you in about ten minutes and I'm just like yeah I don't, they go through that the Hulk Hogan saga we did there's an episode that's two hours long that I'm pretty sure it, like we should go to the Hulk Hogan episode the end of it is him it's all of the audio from the sex tape including the <laughs> N word part and the part where he says he ate too much at the buffet <laughs> with real American playing underneath. Is that true? That's the end of the episode. Yeah, that's what I did. (laughs) It's the only time I've ever edited anything for this show, really. Real American with Hulk Hogan going, she just shouldn't date him. (laughs) Their brains don't work like ours. Here's the thing. If anything... Donald Trump has proven that Hulk Hogan is American. That's still that tweet where he sent out where it was like, because, uh, you know, Obama went on <laughs> Obama went on Marin and said the N-word, uh, basically, but in the context of the word is bad and we need to get past this. And then um, Hulk Hogan tweeted out, like, later that day, why can't I say it? <laughs> That's a real thing that happened. He was like, if, why, if Barack Obama can say it, <laughs> why can't I say it? Barack Obama, the black president of the United States versus me, a guy who wears do-rags to a wedding. Uh, yeah, no, I, I guarantee Hulk Hogan did think, well, I was a world champion. He's only been the president twice. I was the WWE. That's very funny. Ladies and gentlemen, but we're not here, okay, to, yes, we're he not is here the president, to talk about wrestle, uh, racists that are still alive. We're here to talk about a dead racist named Brian Pillman. Oh, and there is another story in this episode that is a... Just a if racism was equated to a meat, this one's a Kobe fucking steak, buddy. Oh no, um. <laughs> Brian Pillman. Anytime, let's say the loose cannon character. A lot of stuff 
was basically tried to be uh, stepped to the side, where it's like his the Dean Ambrose. Like that's the thing. Dean Ambrose is essentially doing a version of Brian Pillman's character, but it's just neutered. But it's kind of like saying that. Like Brian, if Brian Pillman is taxi driver, then uh, Dean Ambrose is like driving Miss Daisy. Cody from Step by Step, yeah, he's wacky. He, just, he likes, he only likes the. He, here's his favorite food. He's, it's the after dinner mints. <laughs> also, oh my god, what wacky he is! Oh, the other guy eats teeth. By the way, I've never seen Dean Ambrose. I've never seen a human being just. You can just see. I'm letting myself go, like. Just so quick, he like now that oh no, now he that came back. He came back and he's all he just did shrugs. Like he just did shrugs for eight months and came back. I think Dean Ambrose is a great wrestler. It's just that he's imitation Brian Pillman. Is uh, I mean, he could do a really good job of it because you know he was like a deathmatch wrestler and shit, right? Yeah. Oh my god, his sh- his shoot interview is fantastic. I'll tell you what I got in common with my mom. We both like drugs and pussy. <laughs> what a lovely, lovely time. So he could be great. Yeah. And here's a man who decided to be great, Brian Pillman. But Brian Pillman, okay, so Brian Pillman, the year is 1991. Bill Moss is brought into WCW. And I know what you're thinking. Is this the racist story? Well, it involves two racist people. Um, and Bill Watts throws in a bunch of things. For example, no high flying. Um, no mats on the concrete. Oh, before you, and also just, uh, before you start this, uh, I just want to say we are aware that we uh, talked about this a bit last week, but John wanted to talk about it more, and uh, for the most part, we do this for free, so we're gonna talk about what we want to talk about. Continue, John. This is why I love this story. So Bill Watts comes in and doesn't like Brian Pillman, and basically he's like, "Hey, Brian Pillman, fuck you." Um, you're getting paid less money, and Brian Pillman is the only wrestler that just says no. And he goes, all right, if you don't accept less money, you'll lose every match. And Brian Pillman went, great, I don't care. And then just lost some matches. And then Bill Watts got fired and he went back to winning. It's the best. It's the best fuck you of Brian Pillman's career. Because it's just like, do this. No. All right, this. That's not a consequence to me. All right. Oh, I've been fired. Goodbye. Ah, I win. I win. And uh, well, that's what yeah. Brian Pillman's punishment was to go on and have great fucking matches. It's so good. Yeah, it's basically Bill Watts didn't understand is you're talking to a guy who didn't watch wrestling as a kid. Like wholesale, this guy didn't really watch TV as a kid because he was out there living goddamn. He's just playing sports, doing steroids, hanging out with future UFC champions. You know what I mean? Bill, Brian Pillman was too busy trying to fuck his own mom to fucking give a shit about the junkyard dog. <laughs> Exactly, but like Brian, so much of wrestling. Brian, you'll, it, you'll never be the cruncher. Uh, that's interesting because uh, last night I crunched your mom's pussy. Wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> I'm into old chicks. <laughs> She's so nice. Good joke. But uh, Brian Pillman, of course, gets into uh, pills. The Hollywood Blondes, which we talked about for a bit, and uh, the Hollywood Blondes. Um, in a precursor to wrestling in the, what do you call it, the 2010s, just break up and get back together three times. Once again, understand we talked about this a bit next week or, or last week. We're I actually about don't think more. we talked about the breakup. So basically what happened was the office for some reason hated them. Also, that's possibly because how they decided to get themselves over was make fun of Ric Flair. Now, Ric Flair now claims that he was fine with it. Um, because he's friends with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I assume needs to borrow money. But apparently, 
he was not fine with it at the time, be, and it was very much propelled by the for fact sure he wasn't that Steve Austin and Brian Pillman both kind of couldn't give a fuck. Um, they well, were so well. They meant it. Steve Austin was essentially he was he like everyone always says this, but Steve Austin was like he was good, but he just was missing it. And Brian Pillman had these great matches, which was sort of this like great mid card guy, but neither one of them could break through. Then they put them together, and then just kept breaking them up because they were like that's shit, but. It was WCW in the very early Eric Bischoff year. So Eric Bischoff literally has never done this job before. So he just knows he doesn't like those guys and also knows that he has Ric Flair running into his office. Let me tell you something, Eric. If you don't, I'm going to have sex with your desk. And I'm like, um, could you not have sex with my <laughs> desk, Rick? Woo. <laughs> I just can't. But that was the weird I thing. I just came on your pants. <laughs> <laughs> I named it Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole thing about it is um billman and flair actually were drinking buddies and that's how pillman became an alcoholic was trying to keep up with rick flair oh my god he said <laughs> yeah and a doctor told him uh that he has to stop drinking that it's imperative he has to stop drinking and he did and he's still alive psych <laughs> <laughs> nailed it um, also, do you know who um, um, uh, Brian Pillman rode with in th- at this time in WCW? The Iron Sheik. No, it was Diamond Dallas Page and Steve Austin, and Steve Austin would uh, tape his beer to Diamond Dallas Page's ice packs all over Page's body to oh, keep yeah. the beer cold. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I'd- oh, and they also hung out with R- Raven quite a bit, and let me tell you, I'm excited to tell you about some stuff they did in ECW. Oh, yes. So the Hollywood Blondes break up for the Dave Meltzer. Third and final time. The third and final time. They were essentially the young bucks uh, in that um, Dave Meltzer loved them. And a lot of higher ups in the wrestling business found them annoying. And Steve Austin went on to feud with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and wear a ludicrous fucking vest. Brian Pillman just became flying Brian again. Um, Yeah. Well, the whole thing is uh, they pushed Austin a bit up the card. But Austin was pushed up the card in a, much in a way that um, I guess you could I guess you could uh, liken it to legitimately. This is gonna for anyone who's young listening to this, and when you say Stone Cold Steve Austin, he was basically the Miz in that Dustin Rhodes. Uh, Jesus was Christ, the, that's a fucking great allegory. Well, because Dustin Rhodes was the dude who they wanted to push. He was the babyface U.S. champion, and Brian and Steve stunning Steve Austin was basically like. Flip flop and fly guy. Um, if you watch these matches, it is absolutely jarring how much Stone Cold Steve Austin or Steve Austin, sorry, just jumps around the ring. Like, oh my god! People are only really uh, familiar with his punch, punch, kick, kick style. This is Steve Austin as a wrestler, and you punch him, and he explodes into blood. Steve Austin <laughs> takes he takes a tackle from Jim Duggan and essentially does a flip using his neck. Like you watch it, and you go, "Okay, yeah. that injury is from Owen Hart, but he's not the only one." <laughs> And of course, um, oh, this is a this is a crazy side note. Just to tell you what Brian Pillman's life was like, other than wrestling, um, he had a kid with a lady who, uh, a couple years later, shot herself in the head while on phone on the phone with her mom because she couldn't get a hold of Brian Pillman. Jesus fucking Christ! How did he? Yeah, how did it take him so is, uh, long to get to ECW? <laughs> and Paul Heyman was like. Mr. Pillman, this is the greatest angle I've ever heard of in my life. How about this? We get Sandman's real son, 
and you'll fuck him on TV. It'll make you a baby face. (laughs) (laughs) The ECW arena would love that. It's baby face time. Like, do you? As we know. Do you ever think about the fact that they just took Sandman's kid and they're like, okay, eight year old, go stand in the ring dressed as your dad, and then this man who looks like every punk rocker is going to beat him up with a kendo stick? Because you know that (laughs) Sandman attempted to explain to, to, to Tyler, he was just like, Tyler, fuck you. <laughs> that was his explanation. <laughs> how many times? How, how many times do you think Sandman was like, "Come here, son. I have something to tell you." I've, and is it daddy? And he's like, Boy, "Put these ice in your pockets so I can keep my beer cold." And he just left. <laughs> <laughs> just put a beer in each one of his pockets. <laughs> the ice to make your pants wet, but my beer will be cold anyway. I'm gonna go take a piss wherever. <laughs> It's also, the more you think about ECW, you're just like, why was Raven ever the bad guy? Like, Raven's problem with Tommy Dreamer was, you bullied me at summer camp, and you called this girl fat, now she's pretty and has sex with me, and everyone was like, that's bad, you were fucking gay at camp. And then his problem with Terry Funk is, (laughs) Terry Funk, um, please stay away from me, you remind me of my dad who got drunk and abused me, and you drank, and Terry Funk was like, fuck that, I'll fucking kill you. (laughs) How about I beat the shit out of you? (laughs) It's so fucked. (laughs) Well, that was the whole. That was the whole thing about. Uh, that was. I mean, it was not a Raven episode, but that was the innovative part about ECW in the '90s. Was essentially that. Uh, duh, you know, the guy, the bad guy, has the hero's backstory, but he's still a piece of shit. You know. Yeah, it's yeah, but let's not get to ECW yet because first we now need. So it's Eric Bischoff is taking control of WCW. Brian Pillman comes to him with mm-hmm. the loose cannon gimmick now the loose cannon gimmick what everyone forgets which i think is the best part of it is he's in the four horsemen brian pillman joins the four horsemen in in, they're my favorite version of the four horsemen because it's the one i remember because i was watching wcw at this time which was arn anderson rick flair chris benoit brian pillman and First of all, it. how did they get back together? Well, it was one of the many times Sting just trusted Ric Flair. Fuck me. Very funny. Do they book Sting to look like a fucking idiot? Um, you know this guy who's gone or made mo- like is literally most of his life is just trying to beat you up? Wow. All right. He's your friend now. Wow. Oh, uh, can you be in a tag match with him and Brian Pillman and Arn Anderson? Wow. And then... They beat you all up. That's all. The, 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 and then they bring the four horsemen back together with Chris Benoit. And this is Ric Flair with his two valets being Miss Elizabeth and woman. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, also, this eventually leads to um, Chris Benoit having an affair with Kevin Sullivan's wife and eventually murdering her at. <laughs> cool. The, I like that. I like the seeds are sown for two deaths here. Yeah, we're up to two deaths. Ooh. It's the most. It's the two. Maybe the most. Two most. Inf, two of the most infamous uh, wrestler deaths. Because Brian Pillman is the first. Like one of the first active wrestlers that dies, and then wrestling just has to figure out. Oh man, it's really sad that he's dead. But also, what's what's Kurgan gonna do? Like they spend we, like two we have a lot to discuss when he dies because the story of them finding out how he dies is involves every character the rest of you would like it to involve. It's so great. It's it's Perfect. worth him being dead. Um, so he pitches the loose. Jesus fucking Christ. He pushes. He pushes. He pitches the loose cannon gimmick to Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff says. I fucking love it. So they have this basically this continuation of 
Arn Anderson is kind of trying to fucking temper this crazy guy that he brought into the Four Horsemen, but Brian Pillman's fucking crazy. Then the Four Horsemen started on this feud with the Dungeon of Doom, which I fucking loved, which was essentially, they never quite said it, but it was basically like the Four Horsemen versus shitty bad gimmicks in wrestling, because like basically their whole problem with the Dungeons of Doom of like, you weren't able to take care of Hulk Hogan, but we neither could we but fuck you and it was just a fun interesting feud and also it put wrestlers together that actually could work together because you could put one of those big monster weirdos with chris benoit and chris benoit could bump for them make them look fucking good and because of the moves that chris benoit has he could surprise beat them same thing with brian pillman same thing with on anderson quite frankly so it was a really good feud this builds up they start a feud up with um, it's Kevin Sullivan, Brian Pillman. They have a couple of matches, and then they build to a strap match at Super Brawl. Same Super Brawl that Hulk Hogan gets blinded by Miss Elizabeth's shoe, and uh, Miss Elizabeth turns on Macho Man Randy Savage again and joins the Four Horsemen. So they have this strap match. Now, they have a particular type of uh, strap match called a respect strap match, where either one... Yeah, you have to say, I respect you afterwards. I, have to, I respect you, as opposed to... Uh, I quit. Pillman walks in the ring, grabs the mic and says, I respect you, Booker man, and then walks out. Arn Anderson comes out in fucking Arn Anderson dad shorts and hiking boots and screams at Brian Pillman and then has a match with Kevin Sullivan. Essentially, it's the first and best time they ever did an expose the wrestling business gimmick because it did the perfect combination of this isn't necessarily predetermined. This is predetermined, but this moment isn't. But we have to keep the show going because we promised you a... So it continues the storyline between Brian Pillman and Arn Anderson, but also continues the legitimacy of wrestling while it's also being shown as illegitimate. It's fucking great. And also, the match is beautiful. Like, the Arn Anderson-Kevin Sullivan part, really fun to watch. Brian Pillman doing it. Kevin Sullivan's face, he claim, has claimed both that he did and didn't know. It's fucking perfect. Oh, it's absolutely spectacular. Yeah, it's great. And you have to understand that now saying wrestling is fake, doing that on TV and doing the work shoot is such a fucking old idea. But in 1995, it couldn't have been fresher. Like he walked by Jody Hamilton to do this. And you know that Jody Hamilton still hasn't told Nick Patrick that it's fake. <laughs> like they talk about it at thanksgiving uh, <laughs> how do you how do you always get knocked down nick are you hurt uh no dad shut up <laughs> shut your fucking your mouth looks like your mother's protect the business nick protect the business um and this is also uh before this on the clash of the champions uh preceding this this is when uh pillman grabs uh, Bobby Heenan by the neck when he goes and then he goes what the fuck are you doing <laughs> and I think that is <laughs> one of the best moments well you know why because uh, Bobby Heenan had huge neck problems he essentially didn't have a neck yeah. he just had a bunch he of, was a no touch yeah he was he was a no touch you, you weren't allowed to touch him and Brian Pillman yeah. by the way later claimed that he did not know that but everyone sort of goes like he did <laughs> He definitely did. <laughs> Bobby Heenan's neck was like an iPhone cord that's just about to stop working, where you're like, it only works in this specific position. <laughs> I have to lean it up against the wall, and there has to be pressure on it. I'm not getting a new one. 
<laughs> that's what Bobby Heenan Yeah, that's, that's what happens when you get into wrestling but never go to wrestling training school. I'm just good at it. <laughs> Before the loose cannon character, of course, Brian uh, may, makes a return in January 1995 with California Brian. And he was a babyface who had moved to California to pursue uh, an acting career on Baywatch. And that lasted one week. And I frankly think that that should have been uh, the character instead of the loose cannon. You know what? You make great point. They could have had him solving mysteries. <laughs> there was a guy, did I ever tell this boring story on the show? There was a guy uh, I knew who was like a cousin of the Stahl brothers. If you guys don't follow pro hockey, uh, there's like 85 Stahl brothers and they all made it to the NHL. S-T-A-A-L. Uh, I think Eric was the... Eric was the like best one. Anyway, uh, no, sorry, it's S T A L L, of course. Um, and yeah, Dylan, you the, fucking so idiot. I knew this. So, a cousin of the Stahl brothers, and this is the best thing is that this guy was had different goals than the rest of his family because the rest of his family wanted to be hockey champions, and this guy just wanted to be on blind date. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was on blind date. <laughs> like two years later, he was on blind date. He moved to L. And he got a blind date. That was his whole life thing, and he did it. You know that that oh, guy. Oh man, he, get, like, he has said blah blah blah. So I was on set of BD. And <laughs> no, he's not that. He wasn't that kind of guy. He was just like. He was just like, I mean, a lot of people try and be him, but legitimately, he reminded me the most of anyone I've ever met of Matthew McConaughey's character. Oh, what a what a free man. Where, like, I think it was like 2 p.m. and we were all 17 and he was 22 and he was like, so anything happening, uh, <laughs> any parties happening, uh, we can uh, find some ladies. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's 2 p.m., man. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> I don't know where women are. Tell me where the women are. And I started crying. <laughs> you know where the women are. There's one sleeping in your bed right now. That's old. said old woman. <laughs> now. Right now, Dylan is staying in my old house in London, sleeping in the, yes. the bed that I used to sleep in, which means Dylan and I have now had sex in the same bed, just months apart. Yeah, well, uh, that's the whole time I, I demanded that I do it. Uh, I, I demanded that I be the one lying down and that I just kept saying, <laughs> feel it, it's happening. We are, we are becoming one. <laughs> <laughs> I come, you come. No, there is deal. It is just Dijon. <laughs> we are mustard. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we should sell our own Dijon mustard. Do you think that when Brian Pillman transitioned into being the loose cannon, when he nutted on a woman, he went, that cannon's no longer loose. <laughs> Empty cannon. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that, yes. Uh, no, I think he was in character, so he just burnt her hair off. And he was like, ah, where's Kevin Sullivan? She was like, please, I used to love you. And he's like, it's us to who I am now. I would I say this. Uh, so he, we should talk about, I just want to say this beforehand. Brian Pillman um, appeared uh, at, and there's stuff before this we will talk about, but I just want to say this. Um he appeared at uh, CyberSlam, which was an internet convention that ECW would hold uh, shortly after his uh, departure from WCW, okay, yeah, which so we will talk we about. But I just want to say this beforehand. ECW CyberSlam uh, before 4chan was how pedophiles got 
what they jacked off to. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. All right. So the amount of do you think there's more liger tapes being swapped at that, or this is my daughter changing? She's eight. <laughs> it was probably it was probably both, but very unintentional. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of the amount of fucking gross shit that was at ECW Cyber Slam. There's there's a. Okay, one of these VHSs has a bunch of Onita matches, and one of them is just people I know pissing. So, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Trade of both. Um, so, we got, uh, yeah, so he is fired by Eric Bischoff. Now, this gets very murky. Eric Bischoff claimed that he gave him his actual release, but the agreement was he wasn't actually going to take a release. There is also talk that Hulk Hogan caught wind that the release wasn't real and then was like you know what dude he tans too much i don't like release him well that's the whole this is the weird thing is eric bischoff saying oh he the release thing here's the here are the two parts of this here are the parts of the story um eric bischoff has known brian pillman for four years now does he trust him is a major thing like how well does he know this guy and the other thing is still eric bischoff's been like it might be his first rodeo with this specific position within wrestling, but this guy came up as an announcer in the AWA in like the mid '80s, so he's almost been in wrestling for ten years at this point. Eric Bischoff has, so I I just can't believe he would trust. I can't believe it. Um, I mean, if he said that it was he was in on it and it was a planned release and Pillman like fucked him over, then I mean, I guess I get it, but it's it's so insane. Basically, what John said, he they gave a, a release under the understanding he would come back to WCW just to trick the internet, which at this point is 14 people. And yeah, yeah and he gets an actual release and goes to ECW. Mind you that <clears throat> WCW at this point had let people go to ECW for little stints, like Cactus Jack had gone to ECW. Yes, but the one thing with uh, that is they were, they were they'd stopped that. Cactus Jack went because of a lawsuit and ended up spitting on the belt. So there was a bunch of issues with that. They were no longer in friendly relationship. And also, like, Paul Heyman was essentially being like, Eric Bischoff's a pedophile. All right. Up next, 911. Yeah. Choke slams a kid. <laughs> <laughs> we got this biker who's going to do a biker thing. Yeah. You see this French bulldog? Bring me Sabu. <laughs> but that's what it was. And, um, yeah, he, gets, he goes to ECW. Um, there's... I mean, this is the story. I mean, I wish Brian Pillman was around to tell this story. Oh, yeah. Because not me. it's so murky. I got news for you. If Brian Pillman was around, the hashtag would be hashtag Pillman, not hashtag me too. <laughs> oh, yeah. He would have been dead. But wrestling's weird. Oh, Harvey like, Weinstein. Know, like why, are you at the, why are you at a pro wrestling event? Oh, I'm just here to learn from a master at business negotiations named Brian Pillman. <laughs> I mean, the chair of a massive worldwide company the wwe tried to get a happy ending at the end of a massage and then drove around looking for the woman after she wouldn't do it and he's fine so i don't know how brian pillman like he would have been still fine god damn it of course of course at ecw cyber slam um uh pillman comes into the ring and threatened to pull his dick out and piss in the ring and then <laughs> yeah. todd gordon <laughs> paul Heyman, and shane douglas uh came into the ring and basically were like get the fuck out of here also and this is all 
all not done like wrestling angles. Like this is, I can see why Hogan later basically vetoes the loose cannon gimmick is because if they would have done more of this shit in WCW, it kind of would have cut the legs out of the NWO in a weird way. Oh my God. Also, can we talk about what Brian Pillman is wearing when he debuts in ECW? He is, it's the most (laughs) late 90s wrestler fucking attire ever. Leather vest? Yes. T-shirt? Cut off into a belly top? Yes. Weird acid wash jeans? Yep. Biker boots? Yes. Is he holding a cane? Fuck yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's really developing the character very fast here, and he's kind of like, he's being super method about it. Like, he, it sounds fucked up, but like, Pillman can see where wrestling's going. He can see that it's all going towards this worked shoot style, and he's like the first dude doing it. Like, he's just like too. Is he, oh man, who is it? If Stone Cold Steve Austin is Nirvana, like Brian Pillman is Mud Honey. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he's the Pixies, Brian. But it's also, there's also yeah. a lot of theories, by the way, that they both discuss this gimmick. And Steve Austin is just doing a watered down version of the Loose Cannon, basically. He's doing a Texas version of the Loose Cannon. I don't know. I think that, because uh, mind you, at this point, Stone Cold Steve Austin has. At this point, when does he win uh, the? When does he win the Royal Rumble, or sorry, the Royal Rumble? When does he win the, win the King of the Ring? Ninety six. Ninety six. It's all around the same time. Yeah. But keep in mind, they were riding together throughout the early nineties, and Brian Pillman ta- apparently, according to a variety of people, talked about this character a lot. And also, they were doing shit like this. If you look at how the Hollywood Blondes portrayed Ric Flair, like they were pushing in that same direction even then. So it's like obviously they both like they were both talking about it yeah but i just don't i don't think that i think that i don't think that austin is not uh, is like the loose cannon character because austin's a straight ahead like he's a badass anti-hero like he's the character that everyone would be if they made a creative character in wrestling game like just plain boots but he beats the shit out of everybody and he has no friend he's like a loner he's that archetype Whereas uh, the Loose Cannon character isn't, honest to God, isn't that much about what happens in the ring or wrestling. It's just a guy interrupting things, screaming things, and then running away. Like, he's still always a heel, is the other thing. Like, he's very, he does not stand up for him. No, it's also they're doing their own versions of a a character and an idea I think that they probably discussed in workshop together. Okay, all right. Well, anyway, um, so he worked. Every, he worked everybody at the Cyber Slam thing. He even worked uh, because he ECW fans are so rabid; they know where the fucking wrestlers are all staying. So at the Travel Lodge, of course, ECW wrestlers stayed at a Travel Lodge. Um, stayed out and hung out with fans. Uh, our uh, C fucked the fans. <laughs> yeah. And and then apparently he just went to the lobby and just started th- uh, yelling uh, slurs at Sabu, who was just super confused. <laughs> and then Sandman came in and broke it up. And then after that was done, um, him and Raven did cocaine together. Oh yeah, of course, good. I like. And Ra- and Raven thinks uh, basically that Brian came up with the loose cannon character as sort of a way to just keep on doing drugs and be like, it's, but it's part of my character. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, also, are we going to talk about... Um, the, also, he also created a big business for the fucking hotlines because he basically would go on these weird wrestling hotlines yeah. and just swear about Hulk Hogan. Let's, 
let's talk about that quickly and then take a break. Um, okay, can we talk about this quickly? You tell the other time he was racist, and then we'll take a break. Because then this brings us to a close of ECW, basically. And then it's the WWF uh, build to the WWF, and then his eventual horrible death. Well, I want to talk. I, want, I just want to explain what the hotlines were, and then we'll open the next half with the last time he was racist. Oh, okay. <laughs> open strong. I like it. That's how you do it. So, hot, wrestling hotlines were. It's going to sound insane to anyone uh, who's been raised with the internet. Anyone, I'm going to say under 30, is going to have their mind fucking blown right now. But wrestling hotlines where you would pay $2 a minute or more, and they would have a pre-recorded message that was just a bit about what was happening backstage, maybe. (laughs) And that was it. Where it was like, oh, they... The WCW one was, uh, was, was, was manned by... Uh, Gene Okerlund, and he got a portion yeah. of the sales and apparently made quite a great deal of money basically just lying about the WWF. Well, that was the whole thing was that like that's how a lot of wrestlers made their money, and especially in WCW, which was a corporate environment, didn't understand the other avenues of how wrestlers make money. So a guy like Gene Oakland was like, not only do I want half a million dollars a year, uh, but also I want... 15% of the hotline profits, which he must have thought was like, they'll come back with five and then all whatever. But they were like, yes, because <laughs> they just didn't understand that there's these weird little schisms in wrestling, which is how you make a bit more money. And Gene Oakland, I'm assuming, was like, fuck, because no one knew, right? Yeah, no one had. Like, all, all Ted Turner says, get me Gene Oakland, and then they're in that position, like, you have all the leverage. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And we're going to, and we'll open the next half. With uh, Brian Pillman uh, <laughs> being uh, Brian Pillman. See you in a sec. This one will be even shorter. Patreon.com backslash rest of the review. You know why to go there, and if you don't, suck it. There's shit on my ass. Go ahead, Dylan. Tell a racist story about Brian Pillman, and then I'm going to tell you the idea he pitched if he had stayed as the loose cannon in WCW. Oh, my God. All right. So, uh, Brian Pillman, essentially the gangsters are doing a promo and then Pillman comes up and just calls NWA, which is, uh, for those of you that don't know, the rap N-words with attitude, and Brian Pillman said the N-word, <laughs> and New Jack was angry about <laughs> Of course he was. So, uh, yeah, he just yelled the N-word, and um, constantly uh, does. he just has no problem yelling racial slurs, but apparently, like, the whole excuse, like he had black friends, but I'm sure they weren't. The, I'm going to say this: none of the none of the stories I hear about him are riding with any black people. So his black friends, he had black acquaintances. I'm sure he wasn't like actively racist, but he was just one of those like, why can't I say it? Like he would have been in the alt right, but genuinely not understood why. Like he under he he basically was like, well, I say the words because they're funny to me, and <laughs> and also like he's fine with every type of racism, but he doesn't like hate black people. It's just you know. They just belong there, and I belong here. He's Limp Biscuit racist. He did. <laughs> That's very funny. But he did some cool things apart from that, such as, this is pre-Twitter, of course, 
um, he would just log into random wrestling chat rooms and just start trolling people. And he would also go into like the WWF uh, chat room on AOL at the time and just being just being Brian Pillman, I guess. Which is so funny because you could just say you did that. There's no way to ever track. I'm, you just I'm make sure your own screen he, name. And you're like, I'm Brian Pillman. And people are like, fuck. He also apparently bought tickets for WWE events at Madison Square Garden and was planning on jumping the barricade. Uh, also, he planned on, and this was told, he was stopped from doing this by Ted Turner attorneys, uh, which was he knew the people that um, worked at the arena for the Cincinnati Bengals, and his plan was to chain himself to the um, uh, the goalposts during Monday Night Football as a way of protesting them competing with Monday Night. <laughs> what? He was going to chain himself. <laughs> Why? He was going to chain himself to the goalpost during Monday Night Football during a Bengals game. And that is a 4 a.m. cocaine idea if I've ever That was 4 a.m. cocaine idea that he took to his bosses and Kevin Sullivan in the most Boston man ever was eh, the best idea I've ever heard, brother. <laughs> oh kevin sullivan loves it he tells oh, it all the time he's like it's the best idea he ever had we would have been in the newspapers for weeks but he's like but bischoff caught wind and he was under no circumstance yeah a man who owns one collared shirt is all it takes for that idea to not happen yeah like absolutely do you understand the nfl would have come down on ted turner like a bag of shit just like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to veto this idea. Oh, do you want the backstory? Why? Um, both my parents have looked in each other's eyes and said, I love you in my presence. So that's why. If your parents are both don't love each other, then yeah, I'm assuming go for it. Have the uh, duet. Tape yourself to the goalpost and commit suicide or whatever. But once again, my parents. Love each other, so no. <laughs> um, but... Apparently, the whole angle was crushed by Hulk Hogan, though. This whole, um, that's because the, the way that it's sold is Brian Pillman gets his release from WCW, goes to ECW, and it's only so that he can call Vince McMahon and say, Do you want to scoop Eric Bischoff? Fucking sign me. And, uh, that apparently, that's the whole story we've been told is Brian Pillman played him, blah, blah, blah. But apparently, uh, another aspect of it is Hogan. Uh, got mad because this was stealing his heat, dude. And I could see, I could see if they're planning to do the NWO anyway. You can't really have this because, and the, some people might not understand what I'm saying, but like Brian Pillman, the "I respect you, Booker Man" thing is the same exact way they're going. They do the Scott Hall debut in WCW, which is both wrestlers don't attack him, and then he does the razor's edge to both of them. He walks in the ring, they get confused and leave. Like, would happen in... Do you know what I mean? Like, that would kind of happen in a real... Uh, it's kind of exposing that wrestling is fake because the, both people look at each other and like, well, we're not actually mad at each other. This isn't a real fight. We'll just leave the ring. Yeah, we're going to get away. Um, But no, he attacks. He does attack uh steve daw and the mauler also i hate that i know that i know the the names of the two wrestlers <laughs> that were in the ring when scott hall debuted and i believe it was winston Salem. but that's the thing he walks in he stares at both of them No, i think he attacks them i and actually do the think he does attack them i don't think he just stares at them all right well 
but it is an important I'm distinction sure to make on. because basically what you're saying is, and it's the same thing. Steve Austin was the mainstream version of the loose cannon gimmick, in the same way that the NWO is the mainstream version of the loose cannon gimmick. I guarantee Brian Pillman wouldn't have let if he had been in charge of the NWO angle, he wouldn't have let them play his music. They would have kept the thing up of the NWO having their own entrance at every WCW show. Those sort of things. Yeah, Brian Pillman could control and have the detail of. I think I I honestly think that what happened was he did play Eric Bischoff. He took the fuck off, and they took a bunch of his ideas and w- kept walking down the road that he discovered. I honestly don't think Hulk. I don't think Hulk Hogan. I don't think Hulk Hogan would have caught wind of this. Quite frankly, I think he would have just been like, "Was that dude? Okay, dude. I don't know what impression I just did." Really. I think that he would have been like, this is going to be big. This is going to be one of the bigger things in wrestling. So what they wanted to do was have essentially have Pillman come back. And Pillman comes back and uh, loses to Hogan in a cage match. They were just going to add him to a cage match. And Hogan would pin him one, two, three in the middle. Because that's how things go. Because Hogan's the number one guy and the star of the company. And uh, so I'm watching the Scott Hall WCW debut right now. And uh, he doesn't attack anybody. Oh, okay. What happens is the Mauler, the Mauler is escorted out of the ring by Colonel Robert Park. And uh, Hall just starts doing the program. What about Steve Daw? Steve Daw Steve Daw fucking bails, baby. Yeah. Still got their names right, though. They both just bail. Parker just, like, escorts him out of the ring, man. And then he just does a promo and then he goes to the desk and uh continues doing a promo so fuck you john very small thing we talked about um we should talk to uh we should talk to we should talk about the accident that actually changed his whole career and led to his death very quickly isn't that that's right the birth of his fourth child wait what (laughs) so here it is uh i will say this you cannot tell me that this was an accident and it came out of nowhere because here is the story Brian Pillman fell asleep while driving his Hummer, and then the vehicle flipped. He was in a coma for a week, shattered his ankle. Now, don't you don't just fall asleep driving a Hummer. He was clearly so fucked up. Like, oh, yeah. He was getting fucked up for a wrestler in the 90s, which is insane. Also, this is the fr- like who the f- this guy this is he's the only other guy besides arnold schwarzenegger and then everyone who was driving a hummer in the early 2000s that i was like what why would you drive that <laughs> it's crazy that man like brian pillman you should just not sell him a hummer because you care about your community also, like brian pillman you have too many children as it is why are you buying a fucking hummer get a fucking minivan live up to your haircut you piece of shit he's a loose cannon that is true do you think that he faked all of this he's a loose cannon just to really build the the legend that is the loose cannon do you think there's one person that believes brian pillman isn't really dead and he's just gonna come back on dave Meltzer. dave Meltzer, i'm sure doesn't believe brian like (laughs) i love the dave Meltzer pillman relationship this is just i mean we mentioned in the first episode but it's so clearly like Dave Meltzer being like, yeah, he talks to me and we're friends. <laughs> and Pillman's just like, I just use him. I just use him to put fake news in the press and that get and get more money. Anyway, I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go shave a dog and fuck it because then it's legal. Why would he have to shave the dog? To make it more like a person. Like, you know what? 
when you're right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Brian Pillman, uh, Pillman gets signed to uh, WWF. Because it's 1996, and Vince is basically like, oh, this guy who's just been in a coma, put him in the ring. Put him in the fucking ring. <laughs> now this leads... Well, they make him... This it, leads to yeah, one of the weirdest fucking segments in the fucking history of the WWF. Yep. Brian Pillman has a gun and tries to prevent Steve Austin from a home invasion. Basically, they were building up to these former tag partners from another company are going to have a confrontation in, uh, are going to have a few, basically, is what they were always trying to build to. It never quite worked for a variety of reasons. Um, at one point, by the way, the long-term booking plan was Brian Pillman would have been the follow-up appoint- opponent to Shawn Michaels for... Um, Steve Austin's WWF title. They were trying to position him as a obnoxious, horrible piece of shit who would be backed by Vince McMahon as sort of, all right, you can, you won't be my corporate champion. Well, I'm going to out fucking crazy you. Here's Brian Pill. Yeah. Because that was, this is 96, keep in mind. So he's not, this isn't, Vince McMahon hasn't turned, like the Montreal thing hasn't happened yeah, but you remember, once Montreal happened, Shawn Michaels got the belt. So once Shawn got the belt, he was a tra- like he was a transitional champion to get it to Steve Austin. They mm-hmm. just couldn't put it directly on Steve Austin because he uh, had just been in a program with um, Bret Hart. They didn't want to go and revisit that already. Yeah, I mean, well, because Pil- th- Pillman starts out as a commentator. Here's the thing: his ankle's fucking smashed. His ankle doesn't like, exist. He almost lost his. Yeah, leg. one of his one of his ankles is literally dust in a flesh sack. <laughs> yeah, he's his ankle doesn't really exist. It's a figment of your imagination, much like nine eleven. Which drink that and take a take a big uh, fucking sip of the truth. I guys. just did. I love the way. It right? Ooh. Taste my truth that's on my poop. So, Pillman, uh, <laughs> Pillman, Pillman uh, finally, finally basically convinces them to let him get in the ring. Does the Steve Austin has a gun thing? Of course, Steve Austin coming. How badass is this? Uh, as a character thing, he comes and Pillman's like, I have a gun. Like, I have a, uh, I have a gun. I'm going to shoot you. And Steve Austin says, I do not care. I want to punch you in the face. <laughs> that was, that's the whole. That was the whole thing. Can we, we, sh- do you think that we need to explain what Pillman's got a gun was? Yeah, do it. I mean, there's there's like... Understand this, John. If someone was born in 1998, that was 20 years ago, they could be listening Okay, so this. essentially, throughout an episode of Monday Night Raw, they built to a confrontation between Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, Brian Pillman being at his house. Steve Austin arrives at his house, and then Brian Pillman takes out a gun, Yeah, and Steve Austin basically still bursts in the house, and then the camera goes dead. And they basically implied Brian Pillman was going to shoot Steve Austin. Yeah, because Pillman gets the gun, and then you hear a couple gunshots, and Raw goes off the air, and you think, did someone just actually die in pro wrestling? Oh, it's, it's tremendous. It's like, how did no one see Katie Vick happening? <laughs> Pillman then joined the Hart Foundation. This is one of the best additions ever. So Pillman is brought in as the fifth member of the yeah, Hart Foundation and makes it, I would say, 
the number two, man, number three best faction of all time. Yeah, people sleep on the Heart Foundation, but it is really, really, really good. So perfectly balanced. Everyone has a role. And this really allows him to um, accentuate as being a fucking, um, just a crazy man. But they're just like, he's our crazy man. Who gives a fuck? Also, it makes it so that Steve Austin has individual problems with two members of the Heart Foundation. So even if you want to cool him off of one feud, you can move him onto another one and vice versa. And it yeah. seems totally within the lines and bounds of reason of the story you're telling. It's so fucking good. Also, you can trace them all. They were all trained in the stand. Um, uh, at uh, the dungeon, they all wear leather vests. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, they all have very, very clear characters um, that are different from each other. It's not like, like, God love them, but the shield is all like, they dress exactly the same. They're essentially a three-person tag team, less than a faction. Whereas the Heart Foundation, all individual uh, characters with their own identities um, that are completely differentiated from each other. So many factions now basically are there for and this is just the way wrestling is because like obviously want to make money but you all have your t-shirt that you put on that's something that brian pillman did that is going to sound so weird and specific that i really liked was that sometimes he just wouldn't wear wrestling shirts because wrestling shirts aren't like really cool he would just wear random fucking shirts with a bunch of skulls yeah he'd wear spawn i remember he wore a spawn t-shirt on monday night raw once like he just would do these sort of crazy things and then it also kept leading to these weird like him and steve austin kept just trying to break each other's ankles on television sort of like they never really built a match yeah. it was just basically like get in the ring with pillman and kick each other a butt yeah but he desperately desperately brian pillman did wanted to be a wrestler again like he should have just been essentially a man you do know what job that he was being he, he was being trained for i do not do you not know this he was being trained uh, at the studio, and they were going to attempt to transition him into being Jim Ross's color commentator. Oh, no, yeah. No, he started out as the color commentator. He's, yeah, but he started out as color commentator on Shotgun Saturday Night, but then he wanted to wrestle. So and, but they wanted to move him back to that. Like, they were attempting to get him. Yeah, man. I mean, I get it. He's only 35 when he passes away, right? Like, he's a young guy. Yes. Don't do blow to the point where it makes you sleep. And drive your car. <laughs> I don't know, man. Don't invent a fake persona so you can just keep doing coke without your bosses suspecting. <laughs> so why do you want? Yeah, why man. do you want to work here at the powdered donut factory? So people don't ask me questions. Come in. <laughs> now here's the big question, Dylan. What angle? What's the biggest angle he's involved in right before his death? What's the biggest angle of his life? Well, that would be. Um, and this is a crazy one that we talked about on the Goldust uh, episode, but they do Pillman and Goldust view do a feud over Marlena, and which is at the time Goldust Dusted Rhodes' real life wife Terry, who Pillman had also dated uh, before in WCW. So apparently, this was quite the awkward thing back. This was the uh, real. This is the big reason for Dustin and Dusty Rhodes not talking to each other for a long time. It was because Dusty Rhodes claimed that Marlena was a whore. Yeah, because she fucked one, ma even fucking one man and makes you an evil bitch. <laughs> 
I'm clean. I just imagine Dustin Rhodes walking by and then seeing Pillman do a buck knife full of cocaine, like from edge to fucking handle, and going, what if she picks him again? (laughs) (laughs) Which is insane. (laughs) He's just doing a buck knife full of coke and then just drinking bleach to see what it does. He just keeps seeing Brian Pillman calling his kids from a hotel pay for and referring to all of them as you. <laughs> but this is, no make no mistake, this is a lower, lower mid-card angle. So they're letting him wrestle, but it's not like his time in the sun is pretty much done here because his body is just like he cannot work at all. Um, but he um, loses a match to Goldust, and then he has to wear the dress. And he really likes wearing the dress. So that would have led to just Brian Pillman r- dr- in a beautiful dress. He had to... He also uh, beat Goldust in a match and, uh, of course, uh, got to spend some time with Marlena, which is implied that he had sex with her against his... Uh, and at first oh, well. she didn't like it, but because she he was persistent, she grew to love it. Which is how it works. Yeah. I learned everything I know about interpersonal relationships from professional wrestling. <laughs> That's Dylan got D-O-double-T. <laughs> D-O... D O double T G A L I apostrophe sixty. Brian wrestle. Brian wrestles his final match at Shotgun Saturday night, uh, which is ironic because his former friend in the Four Horsemen also had a Shotgun Saturday night involving his family. <laughs> oh man. If we didn't have to do best and worst, I'd say we should just cut it off. Um, well, we have one more thing to discuss, which is Brian Pillman dies in a hotel room by himself. The poor fuck who is calling around to hotel rooms to try and find Brian Pillman when he doesn't show up at the Bad Blood pay-per-view. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing, right? Is uh, I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure they had a guy's job who was like, oh, we think he might be dead. Get Cornette to it's call It's the him. best. Jim Cornette. Hey, you motherfucker. <laughs> is this guy alive? You fucking bitch. You're fucking selling out the business by dying, you son of a bitch. Can you give me a little more time with the corpse here? You fucking cunt. You fucking. You're not the Midnight Express. I'm not the Midnight Express. Can I put this wig on you? Ooh, you're Bobby Eaton now. Now I'm now I'm like You see, you're not that far off. So he calls, I think it was a La Quinta Inn. Where uh, no, it was a Red Roof Inn. It was a Red Roof Inn. He calls a Red Roof Inn, the Red Roof Inn where Brian Pillman's body is discovered. Jesus Christ. Um, asks if um, Mr. Pillman is there. Um, the hotel manager goes, um, excuse me? Have you not? Um, okay, hang on. Jim Cornette thinks it's a rib that Brian is there on the other end of the phone, like giggling. A, de- a homicide detective gets on the line, demands to know who this is calling for a dead man, because he's like, well, I think I may have solved this murder. Um, and as they're talking, he, uh, Jim Cornette suddenly realizes, oh my God, Brian Pillman is dead. He's the first person to know. Who does he see walk by him as he's on the phone with the police? Uh, me. It was the U of wrestling, Harvey Whippleman. <laughs> yeah. Who, uh, Jim Cornette then demands, he says, go get Bruce. And Harvey Whippleman, not understanding the severity of the situation, says, why? And demands to know. So Jim Cornette yells at him. Pillman's so dead. And he runs and goes and gets Bruce. <laughs> and cigarette. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He goes and smokes a bunch. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Why? Why, Jim? Why? <laughs> oh, these southern boys dealing with death is so funny. Um, Jim Ross claims Brian Pillman died of a broken heart because he could perform at the level he had. Jim Ross is a beautiful soul. No, he died because he did all of the cocaine and God was trying to kill him. 
Yeah, he died because he didn't take care of his body for the last seven years of his yeah, life. Absolutely not. That's why he died. Like he died, he died because also he had been in a coma, and everyone just glosses that over. The only thing I had ever heard about that accident, legitimately, before this episode of researching it, was the ankle part. Everyone's like, "Oh yeah, he smashed up his ankle." They didn't mention he was in a fucking coma <laughs> for a while until I was reading. Oh, wrestling's the great. research packet, lovely crafted by Mister Jistopher Hobson. Jistopher Hobson. Oh, that's something that all people should tweet at him. Um, all hail jizz. All hail. Hashtag all hail jizz. Um, hashtag come lucky. Um, yeah, he was in a coma for a week and doesn't take that much time off. Yeah. Yeah, he was like, when can I come yeah. back? I don't know, Brian, when you um, have an ankle? Yeah, I'm not going to have that. So hiking boots. I'll see you at the ring. Dylan. What is the <laughs> worst part of Brian Pillman in your humble estimate? The second part of his career is his uh, is the accident, man. I mean, you got to say the accident destroyed him um, because that's what took him. That's what took him from uh, this guy does drugs and it's a party to this guy does drugs and no one hangs out with him because things get weird within thirty minutes now. <laughs> That's what happened. Like, yeah, the accident and then his reliance on painkillers, which for sure killed him. Blah, blah, blah. YOLO. You- John, what's your, what do you hate the most about, what do you hate the most about Brian Pillman? That's not a nice way to put it, but I said uh, I would think it's tied two worst things. One, his death. Two, the fact Perry Saturn ripped off his gimmick of, oh, I won, I lost a match where I have to wear a dress. Well, guess what? I like dresses. Yeah, I mean, that's he. Brian Pillman did a lot uh, during this period creatively. And this is the one of the things they talk about with um, Eddie Guerrero as well is that for the longest time he didn't have the personality, but then he finally put it together. And then within six years, he has passed away. Uh, I would submit to you that Pillman is so much more of a so much worse case than Eddie because Eddie got to be champion. Uh, he had six years of having a great character like basically his whole his whole fed run eddie guerrero uh gets and he's fucking fantastic but uh pillman it's he's a good wrestler and this character for like three months in wcw and that's when he's just figuring the character out yeah i still stand by what i said being better than you Mm, mine's right i think the best thing about it is uh he was just he was an all-around innovator and through uh whether it be doing cocaine to the point he cries without doing the part where he's sad uh with raven or something uh he had a lot of great ideas that and i think he would have been a great booker i really do think he would have been a great booker or or a guy backstage just spitballing ideas um but of course he died tragically yolo but i think yeah the innovation during this period um for him like just something as simple as the of the dress stuff um the use of the internet i think is something that people don't really focus on but how totally how this guy was working even when he wasn't working like it sounds weird but his whole life was wrestling at this point uh whereas this most times was uh, the idea was lex luger showing up and doing two workouts a day and then the match and then going home but that's not like you're just dedicating yourself to like one of the like five aspects of wrestling when you do that when you work out twice a day. Um, yeah, man, he uh, all around. Uh, he was a big boy, and uh, I wish he was naked right now so I could deep throat it. Who doesn't feel that same way? Uh, the best thing about Brian Pillman in the later years were his trunks that he debuted 
um, in the latter stages of the loose cannon gimmick, and then he wore throughout his WWF Fed run because they were just his four horseman trunks with one part slightly altered. So it was this weird logo and not the four horsemen logo, and looks great. That was the best thing. This is the best thing. Where is his trunk? It's stupid. You're stupid. Maybe the best thing about uh, Brian Pilbum right now is the fact that he uh, he. I think he should have been California Brian for the rest no, of that's, his No, that's stupid. I'm smart. You're dumb. Ooh, I'm sorry. I can't wrestle this match. I just got an audition for Baywatch again. Every match he has an audition for Baywatch. Oh, no, I can't <laughs> wrestle the surfs up. <laughs> yeah, they uh, actually bring a wave pool into each arena and he surfs instead of wrestling. And Don't think of that I'm sure was disgusted and then deemed cost prohibitive. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Guys. Uh, we have something very honest to tell you, and it's going to be the biggest episode in the history of the Wrestler Review, because, ladies and gentlemen, next week we are doing Alicia fucking Fox. Uh, <laughs> um, you know those episodes where we have so many storylines to recap that John just starts yelling because he wants it to stop? It's going to be one of those. Oh, good. Ten years. I can't wait. Over ten years. I wonder years how many times... Professional wrestler. I wonder how many times she beat Abyss. She was a wrestler longer than Brian Pillman. I'm sorry, not a wrestler. She has been in the WWE longer than and Brian And also, Pillman. if you're a Patreon listener, get ready to hear about someone that you wish never walked the planet. Because we have a special bonus episode coming your way that is so fucking tasteless, we're not giving it to the general public. Bitch. Slut, slut, slut. It's for only... For only $5 a month, you too can... Feel bad. Bring a case against us in public. <laughs> you too can have your... You too can just libel us into the ground if you want. Because we'll be doing Buck Zoom Off. That'll be next week? we are got to figure yeah, stuff out. it'll be very soon. If you're hearing this, it's happening very soon. Ladies and gentlemen, for Dylan Gott, I'm the much better performer. And the reason this show is good, John... I'm better than John, and John has no friends. Bye-bye, uh, sure guys. you're my friend. All right, we heard Stone Cold Steve Austin outside. He's been making his way around all the way to the back of the house, screaming and yelling. Pillman's got this pistol out, and I don't know what the hell is going on here. This is ridiculous. Pillman's got this. Um, what the? What the hell is that? Did somebody call the police. That's Austin. Get out of there, Steve. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. happened we lost we are live this is live power has been restored vince guys everybody is here inside kevin kelly there's chaos there i do not know where stone cold steve austin is right now Uh, was any what what, did anybody fire a shot is is anyone hurt it's a crazy scene here inside the home did anybody get shot and and brian pillman being restrained by his friends no one's been shot what? Nobody's been struck by any of the any of the explosions. Do you do you know where Austin is? Vince, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Do you know where Austin is? I do not is? know where Steve Austin is. What was more he damage? Saw the gun. Was he more saw damage? The gun and he left. Oh what? my God, he's back! God. Let him go. This son of a bitch got this gun. Let him go. I'm gonna kill that son of a bitch. Let him go. Call the police! Call the police! Call the police! All right. Get him out of here! Grab him, Kevin!
Contract signing unreal. Check it out. Shut the hell up! Hendricks, give me that mic. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Bozo. Look, I'll be glad to go around. Just get over here. You'll do what I say. You're the prop here. I'm the star. I want you to sit down. I think this press conference is now Brian Pillman's press conference. And we're really going to find out what all you yes men, what all you obsequious lapdogs that are telling Monsoon and Dylan what they want to hear when they want to hear it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the loose cannon is here at your disposal. So go ahead. You want the truth? Ask away. Yeah, that's that's a good start. Mr. Pillman, let's keep it that way. I think internationally, your track record would uh, make you a liability for the world. Liability! My track record and my marquee name value is going to bring you, Mr. Suit Ratings. It's going to line your pockets with gold. Because I'm a star, and people want to be as close to me as possible. What's your problem? I mean, a guy that lived through an accident... That My problem is I got a guy whose lifelong dream was reaching a high level of mediocrity trying to question a legacy of greatness. Nobody controls me. That's the legacy of Brian a Pillman. I do whatever the hell I want when I want to. Mr. Out of control. Whether you like it or not, no one's been able to shut me up yet. I've had enough of this garbage. You guys can go back to your nine to five working class hero molds. I want to get the out of here. I don't know what we're going to do about this situation. I'm embarrassed for us as an organization. And frankly, at this point, I'm very, very concerned. I'm going to check with our legal department to see just what our commitments are at this contract and at this level. And if at all possible, we should get out of it and get out of it quickly. I do whatever the hell I want. What I want to!